This was brought to you by Franklin County Internet Gaming Society on YouTube and Facebook. Hello, everybody. This is Infamous OG1973. Today, I am here with another interview, and I'm proud to say that the second interview that I'm doing is with my oldest son. For uh, game purposes, we're not going to use real names, so I'll just call him Sage Ther uh, Ther Sage Theory. Sorry about that, Sage. Sage Theory. Um, now, before we start getting into uh, the questions and everything, I'd like to ask Sage to tell us a little bit about his role-playing uh, background and a little bit stuff like that. Tell us about your story behind <coughs> your, your uh, role-playing background and if you want to say how old you are or where you're from, that'd be fine too. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm like almost like 28 years old, so I've been playing D&D since I was like uh, 14, so I've been playing for like a good 14 years um and uh i kind of just been like uh when i was younger i used to play as a player a lot but the more i've played the more i've been starting to dm lately so uh that's basically it and uh there's quite a few other role-playing games i like like uh neverwhere nights is kind of a dnd based type of thing where you get to role play and skyrim is pretty fun so, uh, do you want to tell anybody what city you're from or where you're at? I am uh, living out in Michigan City, Indiana. Alright. About, like, networks, do you want to put your Gmail out or anything like that? Or what games? Uh, nah, I'm, I'm, okay. nah, I'm just kind of a nobody on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the perfect way of saying it, man. See, we're getting off to a good start already. <laughs> I'm just a nobody on the internet. Okay, so now with that left behind us, I'm gonna go ahead and ask you your first question. Uh, could you please, you know, name some of your gamer names that you've used in, the, in your role-playing games? Not the gamer names on the internet, with like Minecraft oh. or anything like that. It's just oh, you mean like my character names? Yeah, character names. Yeah. Um, well, my, my favorite, most favorite character is a paladin. His, his name was Darren Marshall. He was a human paladin uh, that ended up becoming the holy warrior of Aronia. Yes. Um, it was a pretty fun one to play. Um, I never wear a knight. I had a character. What was that? What was his name? Darren Marshall. Oh, the same guy. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'll shut up. You're all good. Go ahead. And uh, on uh, Neverwhere Nights, there was like a uh, role-playing servers, and I uh, have uh, had a Cobalt Sorcerer, who I went by the name of Zeo, okay. and uh, he ended up becoming like a uh, leader of a Cobalt tribe that he joined. Okay. Is there any more? Um, shoot, I also had um, a Dwarven Cleric, who was a defender of Moradin. Um, he was a pretty cool character. See the same name? Uh, his name was uh, uh, Riddell and Flintwood, I think is what I called him, or Flint, Flint something. Okay. I think it was Flintwood, yeah. No, you're here with the the latest name. 
what what's the latest uh, character name that you usually or the last one that you used? Uh, what was the last one? I think uh, I think his name was uh, he was a uh, rogue. There was also a um, um, ham class and something else. He was a rogue that was a uh, uh, invisible blade. And I think his name is, uh, I called him, uh, John Doc. His alias was Nocturne. What was his name again? He was a human rogue. Uh, John Madlock. Alright. Do you have a story behind that name? Any specific reason? Yeah. Yeah, he was basically a career criminal for a, a local, uh, kind of like a thief, like a local criminal uh, cartel, basically. So you. And his uh his mentor was a uh, silver blade, and he ended up having to kill his mentor. Okay. That was his um worthy. He killed him with a dagger, and that was his worthy um kill as a to become an invisible blade. So he ended up having to kill his master because he was getting set up by the guild. No. What what made you choose the name to go with him? Um, all because I thought I thought it was just a cool name for like a human rogue. Like he's just uh like from like a city like slum. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. and he kind of got re- he kind of got recruited by the cartel. So he he was basically from the slums, you know. I mean, so mm-hmm. there, you kind of. And he was and he was, yeah, he was an extremely talented like a uh, thief and uh, like a thief and sort of like an assassin, kind of like a good um you know muscle for the guild. Did he have a really extensive background, like backstory? Yeah, yeah. Because we started our characters at level five in that campaign. That's cool. You think you could tell us a little bit about it? Uh, sure. Like, um, because I played an invisible uh, dagger, so pretty much um, what they were is uh, they were rogues that pretty much uh, just used daggers and um, have to pull it up because they're a really cool uh, prestige class. Yeah, because um, essentially what the invisible blades do is uh, they get more um, sneak attack bonus to their uh, more uh, hit dice to their or their damage dice to their sneak attack for just using daggers. Mm-hmm. And um, if you actually make a successful dagger sneak attack, you can sacrifice a, a point of damage to just put bleed on. That's pretty cool. So. And he was pretty much trained. He was pretty much trained by his master to become that, and then his master betrayed betrayed him because he was getting a little too powerful for the guild. Now, with his master, do you have much of a storyline on him? Uh, not too much. Like his master was like a big, you know, high-ranking like uh, guild. He was a what? Kind of like the high-ranking like officer in the guild. Oh, okay. And he he basically took him under his wing. Yeah. Started teaching him, and then he turned on him after he started getting power. Yeah. Okay. You and of course, that was that. And of course, that was his worthy. That was his worthy opponent when uh, in single combat when using one or more daggers, because that's a requirement to become an invisible blade. Okay. So he had to end up fighting him to become mm-hmm. an invisible blade. Yeah. The same guy that taught him. Mm-hmm. Now, see that kind of reminds me. Of another game I play, or I used to play, it was uh, Mage of the Awakening. You you had your uh, you had your uh, 
clans too, you know what I mean? They're not really clans, but guilds. And uh, nobody trusted each other, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they, they knew they had to work together, but at the same time, they didn't really trust one another. And I'm saying, that was, that was the last character I played, and that was a while ago. How long ago? Probably like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> three years ain't too long for me, man. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just, okay. Um, now, on your other names that you mentioned, is there anything you want to say about their names and where you came up with the names for them? Or anything that uh, you- for one of my characters? No, the ones that you mentioned. Oh, um, like Aaron Marshall, he was a paladin. <clears throat> it was in the order of like, like a crumbling like city, like the city was crumbling to some sort of calamity. Uh, he barely survived it, and he pretty much grew up in this order uh, from a very young age. He was an orphan. He became a pal- and he became a paladin of Veronius, dedicating his life to him. Okay. Now. And uh, he really grew as a character going going through the campaign too. So when when he uh, when when you named him, what made you? Decided to name him, and then you gave him. Is there any special reason for it, or did it just sound good? Uh, it just sounded like the kind of thing, like you name like a knight or like a holy warrior, you know, maybe a crusader or something. Yeah, get you. Okay, so um, he really grew his character because he went to uh, go to his order, like the cathedral of the like the cathedral of Veronius, to get some help. And to warn them about the calamity. That's where the story first starts off. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's just where it starts off. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So they meet up with the rest of the party. I think uh, one of them play a monk. Oh yeah, monk. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and the other the other one was like um, she was a rogue. She was like a rogue fighter. Yeah. They, they use like a, a whip chain or whatever. Now in the monks, did you? Did you use their uh, their equipment that was specifically set up for monks, or was it they could just basically have whatever they wanted? Because they've got cool equipment, tools and weapons and stuff. Um, no, he he pretty much used like a lot of his uh, unarmed combat and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, the the reason why I asked that is because like you know how I was talking to you earlier about using a lance or yeah, a lance to turn into a bow. Yeah. They're really into lances and stuff too, so that's the reason why I was asked. Not too many people actually have monks in their campaigns. <clears throat> At least not from what I've, I've been used to. Yeah, cause that paladin, like I, that paladin, he ended up becoming like the leader of the party, <clears throat> and he would like guide people through like all the stuff that's going on on the way to the holy cathedral. Okay, now like what, run into. A, what was the main? Main, main uh, objective for the campaign. Um, we were supposed to stop this like calamity going in from the heavens, like it was like a being trying to meld all of create all of the planes into one. Okay. Now, um, this wasn't my campaign. I was actually playing in this one as my paladin. That's fine. I mean, I, I just figured I'd, you know, put ask what that was or what the main campaign objective was. Yeah, because uh, at a certain point we didn't finish the campaign. It's hard to finish a D and D campaign, really. Yeah, but we got pretty far into it. Okay, now 
like my paladin he my paladin just was just like a monster in that campaign <laughs> how long how long did you guys actually play through i mean did it take months yeah it was months like we got to level 11 that's pretty which good is pretty, which is pretty far in D D. yeah exactly how many months do you remember maybe like three or four fresh i want to say yeah that, that is pretty good you guys were really getting into it Mm-hmm. Alright, so... Yeah, he's like... Uh, yeah, he's like, my paladin is one of my favorite characters I think I've ever played. Now, there was this one other one that you mentioned, too. I think it was in between. You said you said the paladin, and you said the last one. Wasn't there one in between? The rogue. Yeah, and, and Neverwhere Nights, I, Neverwhere Nights, I had my sorcerer. My, uh, cobalt sorcerer. Yeah. Is there anything interesting about him? Um, he, he was pretty much, uh, he was, a, he was, a really, like, gifted with magic at a young age when he was in his tribe, his old tribe. And he kind of just became, uh, what was that? Could you kind of explain a little bit about the tribe that he came from? Uh, it was just your basic, uh, tribe of kobolds who worshipped, uh, can't remember what the kobold god's name is. No, we're, like... Did they wear little tiki's and stuff like that? Yeah, they're really tribalistic. Okay. Tropical island kind of tribalistic. Yeah, it was on, on like an island, yeah. Because you know, I wanted to kind of like set the scene straight. Because there's tribes in jungles in the middle of Africa, and then tribes on islands, things of that nature. And he he ended up just like not really caring too much about the tribe. Like, he didn't like the evils they'd commit, so he just ended up abandoning the tribe and go on his own. Did you ever bring out, like, the, the, the sort of evils that they committed, or was it just... Yeah. Like, what was... Yeah, like, attacking, like, uh, like attacking caravans, robbing, stealing. They didn't get into cannibals. And basically... No, but, they, but the kobolds will, like, stab each other in the back, I think, that's convenient for them. They're an evil. They're an evil uh, race of. Uh, they're an evil race, generally speaking. Yeah. Okay. So, since we're past the tribal thing, I mean, I I, I figured it was a good thing to bring up. You know what I'm saying? Because there's always a good story there. Yes. Yeah. So you want to go on with your story about? Yeah, well, he basically just like. Uh, Went together with a tribe of other like outcasts of kobolds, and they made a, a um, kind of like their own faction on the island. Okay. And can't remember exactly what was called, what the clan name was called, but it was a whole clan name. And I was, and my character was a sorcerer, and he was trained like young, magically gifted um, kobolds how to control their power. Oh, that's cool. Do you remember what kind of uh, magic he had? Uh, he was more of a um, war mage. Like he had a lot of like uh, destructive uh, evocation spells. Oh, that's cool. Evocation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. And this is multi. And this game is multiplayer too. So like all the other kobolds in the tribe was actual people who were all playing it. There you go. So uh, now, now uh, talking about role playing games. You know, could you kind of uh, give us a background on different kinds of role-playing games that you do play? Um, I mean, I like tabletop, like D&D, but, 
we're talking about right now. And um, uh, they like a few like strategy role-playing games, like um, uh, what have I been playing lately? Like strategy role-playing games, like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, stuff like that. Basically, you're real focused on D and D then. Yeah, I play a lot of Skyrim too. Technically, that's not. I mean, it, it is role playing like on the video game. I, I don't like yeah. put it in the same category as D and D because it just D and D rules. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I yeah. don't know how else to say it. Like you, you, you talk to somebody on the computer who plays Skyrim and they don't play D and D. They just don't understand. You know what I mean? No. So, explain to them what FACO is and stuff, and they just kind of like. Computer does that for me. So. Well, there's a lot of like uh, good old school role playing games, like the old Final Fantasy games are good. Yeah, I, I remember the old Final Fantasy. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah. All right, now what editions of D and D do you like to play? Uh, I mainly like three point five, but I do like five too, uh, sometimes too. But mainly, uh, th- mainly three point five. For being a DM on a campaign, what are some of the tools that you uh, you think a person should always have before starting a campaign, um, or just starting as a DM? You know what I mean. What's some of the most important tools you think they should have? Uh, I mean, the Dungeon Master Guide's uh, something you need for everything. Like if you're doing 3.5, like I usually like to do. Because um, it has like everything you need, like rewards, treasure, uh, magical items, uh, just different guidelines that you need. Because you're gonna have to like if you do it like I do it, like if when I um, write everything down, I have to go and reference all these books. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else? Uh, it's just so that's just the big thing. It's just you know a bun- get a bunch of references you can when you make your story. And what kind of references? You suggest? Um, I mean, really, as much as you really want. I mean, the basic bare bones is you want you want the DMG and probably the player's handbook too, so you can you know have like rules you can fall back on to look through, see if you can do something. You know, mm-hmm. that's if you even really go by the the you know rule book because some people don't. It really, just depends on how you run a campaign. Okay, now. When it comes to like the dice and everything, do you think the dungeon master should provide it, or you think it'd be something more or less for the players to all come together? I mean, really, like a lot of people who are in D and D will just get their own dice. You don't have to ask them. Yeah. My experience. Okay. Now. Um, but, you know, generally, 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 uh, I have plenty. Of, usually, I have plenty of dice to give out if need be. I mean, you gotta admit that that is a good question because a lot of a lot of people show yeah. up to a D and D game and they don't have anything. I mean, <laughs> I, I've yeah. been, been to so many of them where you have to write stat sheets out for them, you know, on a blank piece of paper just so they can play. Yeah. So I just figured I'd put that out there. You know, um, and talking about uh, dice, okay, in a D and D game, what dice would you uh, should should players have? In order I mean, really, just every uh, type of dice you need, like a couple, like a maybe four or five d sixes, 
D20 is, of course, your main dice you're going to use for every roll. Okay. Um, they're all pretty essential. Okay. Now, um, yeah, okay, now, on, uh, on, on the dice and everything, is there, like, any, any specific things that each of the dice are used for? You know what I mean? Could you explain some of them? Yeah, like, the, the D20 is pretty much going to be your main dice. You roll for every sort of like skill check, attack, saving throws. It's pretty much just going to be your main dice. You know, it's called a D20 system. Um, and then, like, uh, the other dice, you'll just even more for like damage for like your weapon or maybe a spell. It will do a certain amount of damage. Like your D6. Which is pretty much like your, yeah, your D6, your D8s, your D12s, your D4s. I guess that's mainly just damage, and then you have like your um, percentiles or d10s. It's pretty much if you need to roll like percentage chance on something. All right. Now, um, on the literature, um, what literature should a DM have uh, close at hand, and what should they have ready before deciding to DM campaigns? Like right when you're at the game and you're ready to run your campaign. What kind of literature should he have right there at the game? Uh, pretty much all the core books, like the player's handbook, the dungeon master guide, and definitely the monster manual. Yeah, because the reason why I ask that is because I've I've known plenty of situations where like a PC he'll call you out on something and then you have to say no, look, it's right here, man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah. you, you gotta say that's that's the way it is. This is the way the book says, and this is the way I want it. You know, so yeah, I, I've I've seen that plenty of times. That's yeah, me too. <laughs> so, how does that make you feel when that happens? You, yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks. It? Hopefully, we get past it. Do you enjoy it, or well, when people argue about like rules? Yeah. No, I don't enjoy that at all. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the most annoying thing ever. When you get through it, though, I mean, have you actually like, resolved any arguments or anything like that? Yeah, it happens. But sometimes it doesn't in the campaign. And it's a shame, but it happens, you know? Yeah. Let me get this crazy cat real quick. He's at the door of you know, <laughs> Yeah. I'll be right back. Yeah. Okay. So he got nosy. He wants to know what we're talking about. Yeah. But yeah, I I understand that completely, man. It just completely ruins some games mm -hmm. and everything. You'll have a whole room full of people playing, and you know, you get a big argument about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, could you explain a little bit about the stat sheets and how they're using the game? Yeah. Switch my uh, windows over to where I freaking can see that. Kind of go through it. So, right here we have the stat sheets. You want me to go ahead and ask each question, or you want, you want to? Yeah, you just you just uh, go th you just uh, go through it with me. It doesn't matter. 
Okay, so over here it has the gear, and we have armor and slash protective item. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's pretty much just what your character's wearing, like armor-wise. Like, you know, you're, you're wearing like a, you know, what kind of suit of armor are you wearing? Are you wearing leather armor? Uh, splint now, like what, what kind of uh, protection do you have on your body? Where it says type, you know, what, 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 what kind of types of armor are we talking about? Um, like uh, light armor, medium armor, and uh, heavy armor are pretty much how they're classified. Okay, and, and if you're not wearing any type of those type, you're unarmored. AC bonuses, is that mm -hmm. That's pretty much, um, it goes towards your uh, your armor class, which is what like everything has to roll in order to hit you. With an attack. That's, that's pretty much represents your defense. Okay. Do you, are you able to say that off the top of your head? Like, I'll have to figure it in AC. Yeah. Um, I know it's uh, 10 plus your dex plus your uh, armor and a shield if you have one. And then any sort of like magical protections like a ring of protection or something. Okay, now. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, actually, if you look at the front of the character sheet, it'll, it'll give you, like, the equation you need. Never even talked at the front of the front. Yeah, I just did the back. Yeah. Get that real quick. I'm going to leave one of them popped up two tabs. Alright. So let me go ahead and switch that over. So I think it already did, did it? Yes, it did. Isn't that pretty neat? It's the first time I've actually ever used um, this original source on these. Yeah. Now we have the front, and this is what you're talking about. And they are, yeah, if you go up to the armor class to the very top, yeah. like it actually shows the equation you use to figure in your total armor class. Okay. The 3.5 character sheets are really good. This is this is three. It does. Character sheet, by the way. Yeah. Just so everybody knows. Okay. So now, uh. That, and that sheet is just really good because it lays it all out for you to figure out. It's pretty nice. And down here with a fortitude and a reflex and a will, that right there is underneath it. That doesn't have an equation in there, does it? If you look to the right of it, that's the equation you use to figure it. Those little boxes. Oh, okay. Which is going to be, um, those are saving throws, which is how you figure, um, if like a certain like effect or a spell hits them. Okay. Like fortitude pretty much represents like your, like hardiness, like, uh, it's how you, you resist like a poison or a disease. Um, reflex is pretty much how like quick and fast you are. That's how you would figure if you like dodge like a trap or something. Or somebody throws a spell at you if you're a rogue and just dot, roll out of the way with your reflex. Now with, with and then well is pretty much your meant. Go ahead. With, with, with all of this that we're talking about, which do you suggest writing with a pencil or a pen? A pencil. Because it's all going to change. Okay. Just wanted to say that or ask that question because yeah. that, that is pretty important. I've <laughs> known a lot of people that's actually trying to use it. And then yeah, no, it's, this is all. This is all going to change over time. Like you'll be like erasing, marking different stuff. 
But yeah, but then the will, the will saving throw is pretty much it represents your mental like strength. So if anybody tries to like use some sort of mind affecting spell on you, you know that's how you can resist it. Okay. Now up on top, everybody pretty much knows, or they should know what strength is, like dexterity, and then then constitution, and then full intelligence, int. You know, you think you can go through some of that. Well, dexterity just uh, represents your character's like uh, physical quickness, like how, uh, like you know, fast is he? How how much reflexes he have? Okay. Kind of like just you know how you know graceful is he? Okay. What about constitution? Constitution is just pretty much uh, how like healthy they are, like how much how sturdy they are That's for your hit points and stuff like that. The better constitution you have, the better you can resist like diseases for like your fortitude save. Like, you know, if you think of, like, dwarves who are, like, you know, like, big, like, hardy, you know, folk, that's pretty much why they have, like, a constitution bonus. Yeah. Now, intelligence and wisdom, what's the difference? Uh, intelligence is pretty much, like, um, you know, you're all, you're, like, raw, like, how educated you are, how smart you are, pretty much. Okay. Like, you're pretty well learned. Um, if you've, you know, you've studied, you're pretty well learned. Um, it's really important to have to have a good intellect to learn how to master the arcane as a wizard. Okay. And wisdom is pretty much, you know, how uh, insightful you are, how insightful you are. You can think about it as like, you know, a monk is a really wise, you know, character okay. because he, th- he thinks about things like philosophy and stuff. Okay. A philosopher would have wisdom. Or a priest who has like a who uh, preaches the teachings of their god. Right. He's imparting wisdom. Now charisma, the, the, the big charisma. I love when people talk about charisma. <laughs> I don't know why. It's <laughs> well, charisma kind of represents a cu- uh, two things really. Okay. Because the one thing that that represents as a character is like you know personality. How likable are they as a person? Like are they like a natural leader? They have a high charisma. And also, like, if you notice, like, every sort of, like, um, natural, like, ability, like, a sorcerer ha- can just naturally cast spells. Like, he has, like, a raw talent for it. That's kind of judged by charisma. Yeah. Or, like, a, a warrior who freaking wants to just rush into battle. You know, kind of like that, too, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, if you are crit charismatic enough to like put fear into your enemies that's another thing too yeah okay so. um that's probably interesting and like uh another thing about charisma it's also like tied to um like the paladins use charisma use the uh, charisma to judge like um the gifts that they're, the, the god gives them okay now does charisma affect the initiative no it doesn't that's something you would uh figure your dexterity for had that question asked quite a few times and I had to go through that so I figured I'd bring that up in the video. A lot of people don't realize they're two separate, you know what I mean? They're not linked together. Yeah. So. Alright, so bringing up initiative, you want to 
kind of explain that a little bit? Uh, it's just pretty much how you figure, like, who goes first in, like, the actual, like, um, combat. So, like, um, when you first start a fight, you just, like, roll for initiative. Whoever has the highest roll goes first, and it descends, like, you know, who's the highest or lowest. Alright, so now we get to the good. We got freaking flat footed. And, like, um,. Oh, you. One other thing about initiative, like it's based on it's based on dexterity. So whoever's like the more dexterous character will probably have a higher initiative. Get this cat out of the room and go first. He doesn't like listening to our conversation. Okay, so with flat-footed, that that's one thing I wanted to bring up to. You think you can talk a little bit yeah. about that? Uh, so flat-footed, that's what your AC is going to be. Um, like when we talk, when we talk about our armor class, you're adding in, uh, a factor which is going to be your dexterity. So if you're caught flat-footed, you lose your dexterity bonus to that, and it's just your armor and the base of ten. In the actual game, right, when you're in... And, what, and whatever magical bonuses you have, too. Like, say you're, you're in the campaign, okay? Now, how does, mm -hmm. your, how does your flat footed your flat-footedness, I guess you say, <laughs> how does that affect you in your performance? Uh, you're just easier to hit, typically. Um, it's, it's, probably, it's probably worse off if you're, like, a dexterity, a high-dexterity character. Mm -hmm. Because that's, like, the main stat for your, uh armor class you just lose it or it's like if you're like a heavily armored character you know you're not you're kind of not really as dexterous so it really doesn't affect you if you lose your dex anyway you know yeah and what about tripping and everything like that does it affect tripping bounce back uh that would be uh, a separate thing that's kind of like its own like a, a maneuver i guess you would say for like combat but I don't think Flatfoot, but Flatfoot doesn't have anything to do with that, no. Okay. Now, we've already covered the top part there. Unless there's something else on here that I'm missing on the front, you want to discuss. Well, the, um, well, the opposite of Flatfoot would be uh, your touch armor class. Yeah. But, Sitting right which, uh, you know, <laughs> which, you know, if you want to think about it, it's just basically as it sounds like it's something that touches you, that damages you. Like a wizard that has like an electric, like an electric touch spell, he just has to roll for a touch. So you lose your armor class for that because your armor's not really um, stopping it from happening. So you're just touching somebody. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And really, and really, if you're a heavily armored character, that's not a position you want to be in. But if you're, but if you're a high dex character, then you should be fine. You're relying more on your dexterity than your armor. So it's pretty much like if somebody reaches out to touch you, you can just dodge them. That, that, that would also, like, like you were talking about, like if you, it was an electrical charge or something like that. Yeah, like a, like a shopping grip spell from a wizard. Yeah. Now, like, there's there's weapons that can apply the same things that these uh, spells are. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. would, would that affect you with touch? Or could some of them 
I think that's the I think that's the vaporeal effect that does that, or vorpal of blades. Yeah, vorpal I think does that. If I'm not mistaken. It's just pretty much a touch attack for your weapon. It's pretty strong. Yeah, and that's that's actually because like it's just a yeah, it's a blade that ignores armor. Yeah, I forgot which. Uh, I forgot. It's a really powerful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really powerful uh, magic effect you can put on a weapon. I think the I just went through the armor uh, guide and uh, I think it was like up in in tenth, tenth or eleventh, something like that. Okay, so what about base attack bonuses? Uh, that's pretty much going to depend on what class you play. Uh, certain classes have a better base attack bonus than others. Like if you're like a fighter, then like a like a fighter, you'd have a better base attack bonus because you, you know, you're that's your uh, career. You fight in combat. That's pretty much that represents is their their martial combat. Okay. Now, when it comes to base attack. Which, which one would you think would be best, and which one do you think would be the worst, if you had to find them up, say? You know, well, fighters well, are probably the, have the best base attack, because, you know, they're just, you know, that's what they are. They're just, you know, they're warriors. Yeah. Or soldiers, you know. And, um, the worst would probably be wizards, because they're quite the opposite. They're more scholarly. Like, you know, they, they say the arcane arts, which gives them their power over, you know, training with a weapon. Which brings us to spell resistance. Mm -hmm. okay, so. And, um, spell resistance is kind of weird. Like, um, I think you have to, whenever you have spell resistance, I think you roll a percentile. Um, if I remember how it works correctly. Because you say you have, like, a spell resistance, a resistance of, like, 10, then you have a 10% chance to, like, nullify the spell effect on you. So you roll a percentile, and if you roll like 10%, then the spell's just gone. Yeah, Doesn't 10, affect you. 10% of what dies? Uh, the percentile, so 2d10s. Okay. Alright, now what about grapple? Uh, grapple is just pretty much, it represents um, how like a character like can like constrain somebody or pin them to the ground, or hold them, you know, with their uh, straight, bare strength pretty much. And uh, like there is pretty much like a formula right there on the character sheet that shows how to do it. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah, I like how this uh, 3.5 uh, sheet is. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so it pretty much like helps you figure everything out. You just have to look through the source. Yeah, and down here, do you want to go over the attacks and things like that? The notes? Yeah, I mean it's pretty... I mean, it's pretty simple. You know, your attack's pretty much your base attack, plus whatever, like, um, kill your weapon uses. Like, some weapons will use strength, some will use dex. Or some people are trained to use dex for, like, a feat. Um, I know ranged attacks are used with dex for, like, like archery and stuff like that. Melee attacks generally use, uh, strength, unless you're trained in using dex. I don't like it on here, too, how they <clears throat> even allow you underneath keep track of your ammunition too. That's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. So now I'm going to flip over to the back side and see what we got going on there. It is pretty cool, man. I, I dropped that tab and went right straight to the back side. This, like I said, yeah. this is the first time I've actually used that. So I'm impressed by it. Alright. 
Okay, so we talked about armor and protection, and what was that? Protect from. Can you. <laughs> can you see that better than I can? What are you looking at? It's down underneath uh, armor and protection. Protection, uh, check penalty. So, um, there are certain skills. Yeah. <clears throat> like, um, climbing, like, your climb skill, your acrobatics. Generally, just think of, like, physical, like, things you do, like, tumbling or climbing or swimming. Okay. Um, armor usually, like, the heavier armor will usually have, like, a penalty to that, so you take away from your roll if you have, like, heavy armor. Yeah. The lighter the armor it gets, generally the lower the check penalty. Unless it's, like, something, like, you know, special or crazy. That's magical. Yeah, and they have the option here, or they have spots where you can have your speed and your weight special mm -hmm. is that special uh, special properties like if it's, like if it's enchanted yeah. down underneath that they have shield. because because the, the, the important thing to know about like armor is like you also have like a max dex restriction yeah so the heavier the armor you get like the more it takes away from your decks so say like it's only a max of like a plus one to your modifier, then that's the highest you'll, you'll ever get out of it while you're wearing that, even if you have like a high dexterity. Because okay. the armor's kind of constraining you, so you're not moving as like quickly as you would if you didn't have it on, you know? Yeah. Now, they have a option, to, or another spot down here, shield slash protection item. Uh, what's the difference between the armor slash protection item and the shield? Is there any difference? I mean, basically, like, you have, like, uh, ropes that give you, like, an armor bonus or something like that, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so, but basically, it's the same other than, like, like robes, no. What about yeah. like, leather and things of that nature? Because there, there's also, like, uh, certain bonus things that give you, like, a bonus, armor class bonus, like a ring of deflection. And there, there are different types of armor too, like there's wood yeah. armor, Freaking, yeah. I think the elves do armor out of like leaves and stuff like that too. Mm. Another another important thing to talk about is the check penalty, is the, um, uh, where is it at here, uh, spell failure. Oh yeah, yeah see that's, isn't that just down below it? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll talk because about it. The heavier the um, armor you're wearing, the more chances you have for your spell. T if you're like a spellcaster, that your spell will just pretty much disappear because you can't focus on casting a spell when you're like bogged down by armor. Yeah. And so, like when you actually like have spell failure, you have to roll a percentile. If you uh, roll like whatever percent, uh, percent chance, you, chance you have, you'll uh, your spell will just disappear. You'll lose your spell for the day. Listed mm -hmm. right next to it too so if you have this sheet you can just go ahead and put that special percentile next to it and you're good to go you got it all right there in front of you mm -hmm. that's a really nice sheet <clears throat> now the area that has the protective items now what, what, what kind of items are they talking about pretty much things like um, a ring of deflection plus two so you get like a plus two deflection bonus to your armor or maybe like you'll have like a uh, amulet of natural armor, which will give you a armor bonus of natural armor. Cause there's different types of bonuses. Right. Now, uh, because if you go through like your the uh, kind of uh, every way that you can to figure up your AC, it's like ten, 
plus your dex bonus, plus your um, armor bonus and shield bonus if you have one. Um, then there's deflection bonus and uh, natural armor bonus. Now, with, with the other possessions, that would basically be everything else that's not listed, right? Yeah, just like little things like tools or uh, just that's pretty much your inventory. Down here, they even have it set up where they have light load, mm -hmm. load heavy load. I'll even give you, yeah, I'll even give you the equations for your lift, uh, lifting items and stuff, pushing. Yeah. That's based all off your strength. There's a whole chart in the strength section that pretty much gives you like a table of what how much you can carry. Now feats, what's that all about? Uh, feats are pretty important. Like uh, you get once, you get one uh, every uh, three levels and your first level. Okay, what uh, they're pretty much like special characteristics and special abilities that your your character has. Like um, your character has like feats, pretty much the amazing things your character can do. If you want to think about it that way. Okay, like make an example. Like, what kind of feats this, did some of your characters have? Like the rogue that was uh, your character. What, what kind of feats did he have? Um, he had stuff like uh weapon focus on like a dagger so he was just like extremely like focused on training with that dagger where he became really good at with it um two-handed uh, fighting is uh, another one where you can it pretty much lets you uh, be more proficient with wielding two weapons so he wielded two daggers at once um i think another one he had was uh I'm trying to think it was a while since i had that character is he a, did he have pickpocket and stuff like that? Pick yeah, those are skills. Those are skills. Those are uh, different from feats. Okay. But feats is pretty much like stuff like uh, cleave, where you can like slash into another like uh, enemy next to you if you like fell one. Okay. Like stuff like that. They're really powerful. You get one, uh, I think, every three levels. And that's okay. kind of like uh, the main focus of the fire class too. Now, what about special abilities? Um, pretty much like stuff uh, you'd be able to do in your class, like a paladin can turn on dead or do uh, unholy smite uh, or a holy smite. Then there's like certain things like spell like abilities you can get from magical uh, items and stuff. Or you can cast spells, though it's just like a natural ability. All right. Okay. What about spell save? I'm not even gonna talk about spell category. Everybody knows what a spell is. What about spell save? Uh, that's pretty much the modifier that enemies have to roll against in order to uh, avoid your spell. So, like, if you throw a fireball at somebody, they have to roll a reflex save. And, that, and that's going to be what they have to roll. Okay, how, how, do you, how do you calculate a reflex save? Um, I think it's 10 plus your caster level, I believe. And then, um, it's gonna be like the spell level, I, believe, I think is what it is. Along with like whatever your primary ability is, like, uh, intelligence or wisdom, if you're a cleric or a wizard. Yeah, down here where it says arcane. Then, spell. then there's like, then there's like a miscellaneous, there's miscellaneous stuff too that adds to that, like, uh, like a spell focus feat. Mm -hmm. I think it does that as well. That's another thing about like spell casting. It's kind of complicated. It's important. 
when you get into the nagari of it. Yeah, it's more of a it's more of like an advanced like realm you get into when you do magic. It's really powerful. Yeah. Okay. Now, what what about this arcane spell filler? Um, I noticed. Oh, uh, that's that's what. It's got the sheet and everything. Yeah, that's um, that's what we were talking about earlier with like wearing armor and stuff. Just another spot where you can put it with the rest of your like spell, um, spell things on the sheet. Now that's a worksheet you can do underneath that goes with that too, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and I was right. If you notice, like, the, there's a way to figure your DC for each uh, level on the left hand side. Well, it looks like we covered both the front and back. Yeah, and that's pretty much, and then above is pretty much like a spell list and your different spells and stuff. Which I never use. I just my own separate sheet of paper for that. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I, I mean, I didn't even. If you didn't even want to talk about it, we didn't. Have, I mean, because the average person knows what a spell is. Just... Well, spell casting would be its own separate thing. There's a lot into it. It's really advanced. Well, I was just talking about like, the actual sheet. <laughs> Because that's yeah. I've basically been going through and naming them off, and then letting you do as much explaining as what you want to. You know, and after doing this, is there anything else on the top of your head that you want to mention before we move on? Uh, no, it's pretty self-explanatory. Like you have the languages at the bottom for how you communicate with different races. Um, generally, that's figured by um, like your intelligence. So if you like have a more of an intelligence modifier, you can learn more languages. That's on the front page, I believe. No, it's in the back. Oh, is it? Mm hmm So, all the way at the bottom. It's even got money down there. Yeah, and there's a the money, which is just basically copper pieces, silver pieces, gold pieces, platinum pieces. It's like the standard uh, monetary, monetary way. Is there anything else? Crown chip for the sheet, I think. over the sheet and everything uh, talked over about the dice now when we uh, worked when we, we finally just talked about all the generals like the dice we talked about all the tools that we need like, uh, for the materials and stuff like that and now I want to get more into asking you questions about you playing the game okay, okay. So, so now I'm going to ask you uh, do you enjoy like character building yeah, like, um, there's two sides to it. Like, I like made, building, like, different, like, powerful, like, builds for the characters. Like, um, my Paladin was a fun build to run, just, you know, in game gameplay-wise. Um, and also, I like going beyond it with, like, having, like, an actual, like, uh, storyline to my characters. Um, um, like, trying to, like, ingram them into the world. Do you, uh, Incorporate your characters with drive motivations and apply that into the campaign. Yeah. What kind of uh, like what kind of motivations or you know what kind of drive do they have? You know, in, in some of your characters that you've actually done that you can talk about. Yeah, you know, like um, my paladin, he uh, pretty much just became motivated to uh, fight the evil that destroyed his order. <clears throat> because in that game, he, uh, huh? What, what kind of, what, what exactly, what, what motivation exactly 
was that like sometimes a village gets attacked and families killed you know what I mean yeah, that's yeah. a form of motivation so. yeah like the whole city crippled okay. the whole city got crushed under that calamity and he, he was wanting to go to like the main order of Aronius to seek help and that started him on the whole campaign that was, mm -hmm. what, what about his drive though you know what I mean I mean what drove him uh, just his, you know, belief in Aronius and being a uh, warrior of good. Um, I know, like, the first, one of the first things that happened on the way to the order was uh, bandits were holding people hostage, and he pretty much uh, gave himself up and said, you know, look, I, I'm from this order, you can, you know, take me, and they'll probably deliver a ransom for me. And so I, he was able to convince the bandits to do that and take him prisoner. And then his, uh, and then like the people I played with had to come break me out of prison, right. like this bandit, like this bandit stronghold. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> I've had you describe some of your characters and everything before, and we talked about the drive and motivation and stuff. But what about like your NPC characters? You know what I mean? Um, do you enjoy uh, building NPC characters as well? The ones that that aren't player characters and you have yeah. to actually you enjoy doing that yeah there are like some interesting characters I make in the background so this is like a I do usually write like overarching stories when I do them yeah like I've like I've had like you know heroes there are heroes of the world that would be in there that you can get involved with uh, definitely, like big villain, villainous uh, people and creatures. All right, right. Um, like, give, give us a specific character from a specific campaign that you really got into. You know what I mean? Be a bad guy, good guy, whatever. Just, just kind of give us a little taste of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like um, there was a uh, there was like a drow, like um, he was. Uh, kind of like a spell sword, and he was a hero of uh, that of this main city that the players went that I had the players go to, and uh, he pretty much uh, off like his uh, fellow drow that were invading the city, and he became accepted among amongst the surfacers in that city. Players meet him because they were they learned about the history of it, and uh, the last time and the last time he and he kind of disappeared from it because the city got attacked by a crocking so it's out like honestly it's like a city state and then just like a giant croc and came in and wreaked, wrecked havoc on it and last he was seen was fighting it that was that was the last time you've seen mm -hmm. so it's kind of like the wizard and freaking uh, uh not really we were just talking to Tolkien too <laughs> yeah Lord of the Rings when he got in a fight with that dragon and was falling down in that pit literally. yeah and that was the end of the yeah. kind of like that yeah, like bring in like big heroes of like big heroes that have like been established in the world beforehand. Yeah, your players just kind of like up and coming, you know. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, that's that's really a good way of setting it up. What do you enjoy about world building? Yeah, it's just kind of like stuff like that, you know. Um, just making like different like background stories. I like having like an overarching like plot to it. Um. Also, like when uh, the players actually like flesh out the characters, I 
do my best to incorporate that into the campaign, you know. Hmm. Tell us a few uh, world-changing events that you've added to the campaigns when uh, you were DM, like things that could destroy an entire world. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Um, well, the camp, well, the campaign I was running, it was we never got to finish it, but um, I had a whole plot set with it where um, there was a, a lich in the future who was coming back into time to pretty much uh, take control of uh, the weave, like the, the uh, weave, or how like the spells came to how wizards control their spells, you know? Yeah. Pretty much the magical layer around the world. And uh, he's, he's a lich of the future who comes back in time to set it up to where he can gain control of this. Now, the special layer around the world, do you think you can get a little bit more into that? Kind of describe it? Give special what? That special layer. That oh, the weave? The weave. you think you can be a little bit more descriptive about that? Kind of give us an idea, a little deeper insight into it? Uh, it's just basically like a weave of, uh, it's just pretty much like um, the magic within the, you know, the universe on the material plane. It's pretty much an idea I, I always use from like Forgotten Realms. Kind of. It's just like, uh... Yeah, it's basically like, uh, it's basically how magic's described in Forgotten Realms where there is a weave that is on the material plane and wizards that's given from like the god of magic uh can't remember his name he's a god of magic and he has this weave on the material realm yeah and that's that's uh, arcane that's how like arcane wizards and sorcerers you know pull from his head put out their magics yeah i like that that's uh that, that whole concept is what got me into where i i, I actually like playing a, a Age of the Awakening, because their concept was is this was our world, and then there was the higher world, and in between the higher world and our world was like an abyss. And you had to, yeah, you had to reach into the abyss to get magic from the higher world, and when you did that, you brought you brought a piece of that back, you know, what I mean? from the abyss too. And that that kind of got me interested, you know. So I, that's the reason why I, I pointed that out. And I'd have to talk a little bit more about because those and he's he and like he was just pretty much the main villain he was um basically uh trying to engineer events to happen to where he could position himself in the past in order to uh gain to pretty much take control to leave and become essentially a god yeah makes sense that's pretty good because in the future like it's pretty much over like planes pretty much like destroyed yeah. so he became a witch and decided to go into the past to take control of the weave right. now you remember where you left off for interrupted you yeah. what was that you, you do remember where you left off before I interrupted you and asked you to talk about the weave right yeah okay. you can go, go still on, on the world building so after after the weed part, is there any more that you wanted to have finish up what you were saying? Uh, up to that, it was pretty much like the heroes, they had to figure out like what was going on. Um, it was this like, uh, really uh, powerful like bandit guild that the main wizard guy was pretty much uh, funding in order to you know, 
have like his henchmen to do what he needed to get done. Yeah. And that's pretty much how they get caught up in all of it. Tell, tell a little bit about uh, some of the worlds that you've created, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know how you're talking about, like, the weave and all that stuff? Yeah. Well, what about the actual world, you know what I mean? Like, kingdoms and creatures and just general, the way the world was, you know what I mean? Was it brutal? You know, was it, like, fantasy? Was it a mix of brutality, fantasy, whatever, you know? kind of give us an idea of what kind of world you're into creating? Yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of just depends on, like, the story I, I want to tell with it, honestly. I mean, you... Because, uh, I made one, I made one about, like, uh, the Demon Wars. Like, a demon, tried making, like, a Demon War or one. Mm-hmm. Or Devil War. Yeah, Devils. Well, this is all about you, you know what I'm saying? And, and what, yeah. what you're creating. So, I mean, just let us have it. I mean, tell us, tell us about your worlds, man. Yeah. Um, because I know that was like the last, like the big one I did, and we did that one to like level twelve, I want to say. So we're really into that one. What kind of creatures did you have in it? Uh, um, I'm trying to think exactly how that one went. I know there was like bandits so they were fighting, um, early on. Then we went to like orcs. They went through like a, a troll, like a troll infested forest. So they had to fight trolls. Um, I know the last big thing they fought was a young silver dragon that was corrupted, and that was pretty. That was a pretty fun fight because they were like in this like pocket dimension fighting them. That's pretty cool. Um, this pocket dimension. What was that all about? It was a um, pocket dimension of the wizard they were chasing. You just created it. Yeah. Then they had to enter behind them or something. Yeah, basically. And it's just pretty much like a broken, it's pretty much like a broken world, how I envisioned it, that was hovering in like this void. And there was like a chapel sitting on it, and there was a dragon guarding something. Oh, that's cool. <clears throat> it was like a corrupted dragon, because like the pocket dimension kind of uh, corrupted him. Yeah, he was guarding. And he was guarding some really good magical items that I uh, made for my players to get if they beat the dragon. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. That was so long ago. I figured I'd give it a shot. Yeah. Alright. How do you deal with background uh, stories? Oh. Well, you know, I just pretty much try and cram into the world as best I can. Just kind of let them go as as you need them, or do you always get it all set up? Yeah, pretty much have it as I need it. Um, because I, I pretty much makes, make my uh, D&D setting, I try to have like a general like overarching story, but I don't try to write too much into it, like, at the same time. Yeah. Because there have been times where I've written, there have been times where I've written a bunch of stuff and I've just kind of thrown it to the side because the players didn't even do that. <laughs> yeah. That kind of leads into what I was about to ask you, you know, like, how do you generally DM a world you're running players through so and i know that's really important because like it's it's it it is important don't get me wrong background story but at the same time 
know, it, it's really not about your outcome that's important, you know what I mean? Because, like, your players, they, they aren't going to cooperate with you no matter how hard you try. Somebody's going to freaking go all for somehow. You know? Yeah. So, that's why I, that's why I kind of like landed in, in the middle of like meticulous planning and off the cuff stuff. Yeah. So with uh, with with that, you know, I mean, I mean, how are you uh, handling things like trading goods and like the politics in your world, or, or you know, in certain areas or, or certain events that come up? How, how do you deal with that when you're running a campaign? I mean, just, you know, pretty much think of a scenario that you'd put a say in, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if the players are starting out, starting off in, like, a hunting outpost, like, they're in, like, the wilds. Like, how they interact with the wild? Yeah. Whether it be, you know, are they hunting game? Do they have to fight off, like, goblins and stuff? You know? Yeah. And what about, like, when they have to trade? Do you, you make it to where they, they trade goods and stuff? Yeah. I said, I make a basic world it's just i kind of fill it in as i go just because it's just the it's just you know it's just the way i do it do you like uh use hirelings and stuff like ask a get involved with guilds that freaking do you know hirelings work and things like that you get caught up in all that yeah it's an option you know it just really depends on how the player like how the player wants to interact with that kind of stuff. Are you, you generally, though, do you generally uh, put that into your stories? Yeah, that's what the player wants to do. Okay. All right. Now, how do you deal with your PCs? In there? Uh, no. How do you deal with your uh, PCs? Are, are you restrictive or laid back or in between? And, uh, like, like, just in a general way when you're running campaign you know what I mean yeah I mean I'm kind of in between like there's plenty of like rules from the book that I do use because they're really useful to have to give the game some structure have you um, ever been known to like bend a rule uh if I don't like if there's not if there's a rule I don't like I'll say that we're not using that rule or something like that you know I'll let the players know about it like for example there's passive wisdom in 5th edition that I'm not a fan of that I just don't use it now, like, say, say a player has a problem with an issue. You know what I mean? It's not really a big deal, and it could affect the way players act in your uh, yeah. campaign. It's not yeah. really really a big deal. Do you just let it go? Oh, if they do it, yeah. No, I just tell them they can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you, you know, it has to be asked. I mean, I. I don't know how you can avoid that. So it's it is a good. They, they, no, if they try to do something. I just say you can't do it. <laughs> that's it. You know. <laughs> just can't do it, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm freaking DM. Sit down and shut up. <laughs> but I usually stick within the structure of the game because it does give the game some good structure. You know. Pe- people respect you for that too, believe it or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if you turn around and you let people slide like that once, twice, three times, the next thing you know, they're going to get used to it. They're not going to like it as a DM. Yeah. It's the sad part of it, but it's actually the truth. I mean, yeah. All right. 
but it's like, you know, when it's like the end, end game, though, what do they want to do? I pretty much let them, you know, figure out what their character would do, you know. Yeah, because you're telling the story, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're part of the story, like, they can guide it however they want. Yep. Okay, how do you deal with situations in a campaign where your PCs go off the beaten track, straying away from the campaign's storyline, or the goal that you want in your campaign? Yeah. How do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, basically, when um, that happens, it's pretty much a lot of uh, thinking on your toes. <laughs> because there, there, there have been some like uh, you know, sessions where they've just pretty much like not done anything that I was hoping they would. <laughs> I would just have to make something up on the fly. Uh, I've kind of gotten better, and yeah, I've kind of gotten better at dealing with it the older I've gotten, the more I've DM'd. Because it doesn't take me long to think of think up something that you know could make it an interesting thing, you know. Give us some examples. Uh, you don't have to say like pretty much. Um, huh? You don't have to say names. You don't have to state names or anything. Okay, gotcha. I mean, there have been times where like um, they was like want to do something with uh, trying to think about my last campaign I ran. Like he wanted to pretty much uh, get integrated with like the criminal system, so he did jobs for them. Or gain influence in the city. Yeah. When we arrived to the when they arrived to like the main like uh, city, like port city that I had. Uh, now, that that that's a subject too, because I've noticed that too. Like, if you're running a campaign with characters that align differently, like ones you know good, ones uh, neutral, ones evil. Have you ever done that before, where you had to? Actually, well, not really evil, but evil, but you know what I mean. But have you had yeah. to deal with different alignments in the campaign? Well, yeah, you know, it's pretty much you know something. I let the the players kind of you know work out themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like they have to think about how their player would play, how the players would react to one another. Do you give them points and stuff that they play according to character? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'll reward them with, like, some uh, good role-playing experience at the end of the session. Now, when they play according to character, what exactly, what level are we talking about? In the game, they, they act it out more, like, when you're sitting around and you're all in a circle and stuff, and they freaking actually play the character, you know what I mean? Make the yeah, like, they converse. They Yeah, they converse, and they're in the role of the character. Yeah, I like that. I report it. Because okay. that you gotta admit that is important question too. Because there's different ways people DM. Like they don't really care if you are outright openly doing it, but as long as you're doing it in the story, you know. And then there's others they want to see it. You know, you're sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's different kinds of people. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, there's been plenty of times where people are just sitting around, like, the table at the tavern, just, you know, having, like, a good, you know, conversation about different things. Yeah. Okay, what level of magic generally is... Because, um, I will say there's always, like, this one little trick I do whenever I start a campaign. Mm-hmm. It's like, if they're in a tavern, I'm just like, alright, you guys are in the tavern. What do you do? <laughs> I don't <laughs> ever, 
I don't ever like starting out in a tavern. There's two places you'd never put me because I know something bad's going to happen. It's in a tavern <laughs> or on a trail. Okay. If you're if you're on a trail walking through, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's kind of cliche, but it's a good way to start a campaign. Good standard way. It really is. It really is. But just if anybody ever does <laughs> this, just let it be fair warning. And you start out in a freaking tavern, something bad is going to happen. But it's good. It it is. Okay. What level of magic generally? Do you use in campaigns a little bit, a lot? Uh, I would say a lot, because I like uh, rewarding my party with magic items for tough encounters and stuff. Okay. And also, it's just pretty much like that high fantasy, like, you know, magic and dragons and all these creatures and stuff. It makes it more of an interesting, like, story and game in general. Now, how much do you incorporate into your campaign? Like, can you tell me, is it... I wouldn't say insanely. I wouldn't say insanely, but like a lot. Like you'll get magic items for for too long when you're playing my campaigns. So how do you? But I also may. But I also kind of balance that out with like some. uh, I wouldn't say like difficult. Well, I guess you could say it would be difficult encounters, but like you just have to like not difficult, but I I try to challenge them. You know. Now, do you allow, like, NPC characters to come in that have a lot more magic so they can assist in the, in the campaign, or uh, do you generally... They would have to figure it, they would have to figure out how to convince somebody to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why is he helping you? Like, what does, he, what does he get from doing this, you know? Yeah. I mean, you personally, as the DM, do you, like, introduce these NPC characters in? I mean, yeah, like if, you know, they're telling me, like, they're looking to hire somebody for, like, a bodyguard or something, I'll just, you know, yeah. pick up, like, a mercenary-type character. Okay, now, mercenary, yeah, when it comes to mercenaries, <clears throat> are you really big on the pricing and everything about mercenaries? Like, when you have to negotiate with this, you know, price of mercenary, they're usually aggressive. Show dominance, things like that. Yeah, like pretty much you have to negotiate the price and everything with them if you if they want to. Yeah. Like uh, that's to be up on all you know their decision. Okay, if they so want to do that. You leave that up with, to them. Then. Yeah. Okay. So uh, how do you handle stuff like jewelry, outfits, accessories, and specific out, outfits? You know, especially like magical outfits. Uh, I just go by the standard of the edition, like 3.5. There's like 11 like uh, item slots that you what you wear, like your armor, your shields, belts, two rings, or one ring on each hand if you wanted to. Amulet, uh, gloves or gauntlets, helmets. Okay, so you you basically go by the the standard that's set down according to the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you enjoy using? It's a, pre, it's a pretty good. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't say it's a, it's a pretty uh it's a pretty solid system, you know. 
And there's even some some items that don't even take up the slots that you can use to. So do you enjoy using potions and uh, how do you incorporate them into your campaigns usually? Uh, potions, I mean, pretty much if like somebody in my campaign doesn't want to be a cleric or healer or whatever, I'll put in potions. Uh, put some more potions in their treasure pool they can find. Now, poisons too, that's another thing that should ask that. The same question except for instead of just potions, poisons, how do you do with the... Um, you know, like if they're like out, um, I guess like wilderness, you'll run into some like poisonous like animals and insects and stuff. Like some weird like creatures. They'll have different like diseases and poisons and such. Yeah. And do you use uh, poisons in like armor and like weapons? Um, yeah, if the character, if the character wants to do it or if they're like fighting some like assassin type character, they'll probably use poison on their blades. It's all about the context. I can already tell, like, when I'm asking you these questions, like, it's not even about you, you know what I mean? It's about the story, man. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> it's like, I, well, I ain't got no say about it. I mean, if freaking they want a ninja, I'm gonna give them a ninja. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, it's up to them, man. <laughs> and it's, the it's the players cool. pretty much, the players pretty much make everything happen. You know, but, but, you know what I'm saying. That's pretty cool. It's not, I'm not criticizing. You know, and I'm just there to kind of, yeah. And, I, and pretty much my role is just to pretty much, you know, give them a challenge and to when they actually play a game and kind of get them through it. You know, yeah. give them the experience. Because it's of like what they said, want the character to do. It's like you said, it's really hard to end a campaign. I mean, keeping yeah. keeping a a campaign together is hard. Yes. Okay. So, how do you feel? about no magic campaigns. This is the good one. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a terrible idea. And you need to say <laughs> everything that you said the when we first asked that question. Go ahead and just say what's on your mind, because I know you got a lot to say about it. <laughs> terrible idea. Like, it, I think is all the magical stuff. I mean, I guess if that's your taste, but I just, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of bland. That's it. So you can say. We had like a yeah. 20 minute conversation about this. <laughs> <thing right> here. <laughs> no, that's an idea. I mean, it's just basically like, uh, I mean, it's just basically like, you know, imagine if you took the dragons out of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Or if I there was no monsters in it, you know? Yeah. You're gonna eat a cake without icing. Yeah. Which I mean, there's plenty of other RPG games that don't have magic. You know, I just finished doing one. Yeah. Uh, was it mutants? The mutants that uh, mutants down under. I don't know if you've ever played that or not, but it. it and there's stuff like cyberpunk. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of role playing games that you can do that doesn't have any magic whatsoever. So I don't see why you would run a D&D game without magic. Yeah. Just, that's pretty strange. It's not going to give you a heartburn just thinking about it, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. How much do you um, 
vary your encounters. Um, I like uh, adding like different things for uh, players to face, like um, give them like a decent challenge. Um, like I like thinking about like different like tactics how the monsters would uh, react and how they would do, you know, fight in combat. Like how like uh, ogres are like really dumb, so they would do like stupid things like run like right into you, mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know. Yeah. And what kind of uh, guard creatures do you enjoy using? campaigns like creatures that guard castles or certain areas what type of guard creatures do you use say uh ogres are are pretty fun because that gets to like a certain like point and so like the campaign where they're getting like a little bit more stronger than the beginning when they begin you know Mm -hmm. ogres kind of like the first big test of them because he's a really powerful thing but he's not extremely hard to beat it's just like a big lumbering like brute that they have to fight. Do you ever get caught up in exotic creatures? Yeah. Like what, what kind? Like of if they're thing? like a, I think there was a thing called like a blood beetle or whatever. Mm-hmm. And basically, it was just like a flying like bat insect that would just, you know, fly up on top of you and like drain your blood. Yeah. And like the they would also like leave behind a disease that the player could catch after they you know. Pretty much like it makes a mosquito and bat really uh, interesting. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I like I like little monsters like that that have different effects. <laughs> now we uh, talked about the guarded creatures and how much do you vary your encounters. Now, how how do you uh, or actually tell us a little bit about the deck of many things? That'd be the best one. I know you really like that. That's a good topic. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, it's a really interesting uh, match, uh, wondrous item. Uh-huh. It's an absolute. That can be an absolute campaign killer because it's, it's like really ridiculous and has a lot of like powerful effects. Like uh, basically, there's a you'll pretty much have like a deck of many things. It'll be an actual like playing deck. Like the DM was actually bring like a deck of twenty-two cards, mm-hmm. based on like the little part that's on it. And the effects vary. Like uh, one of them print radically changes the line, the uh, alignment of the character that draws it. That's like the two of spades. Okay, now I've got it pulled up on the on the thing for you. So do you want to go through some of these and give us a little insight? Would you be willing to do that? Yeah. Okay. So this is the deck of many things. Okay, so do you want me to read them, or are you willing to read them? Uh, I mean, I'm not going really to go through like the entire thing, so that take a long, long time. There's like a few like strong like effects, you know. You got. It. I think it's just cards. Which which one <clears throat> which ones d- would you be willing to talk about? I mean, really, like, there's just a few like really like powerful effects, like the one I just said. Um, you know, the two of spades, the two of which is also balance. Yeah, and it pretty much radically changes the alignment of the creature that draws it from the deck. Um, the comment, the, the character has single family to feed a hostile monster or monsters encountered. Okay. 
and if he successfully gains enough levels, uh, enough experience to level. Now the two of spades is balanced, right? It changes the yeah. alignment instantly. And the Torque card is Exile Justice. So with with balance, now what, what was the next one that you was talking about? The two of diamonds. Two of diamonds. It's a uh, comet. Or the two, yeah. It's the plague. Or the two. Of, the two of uh, swords, the tarot version. Yeah. You can get a tarot card, a tarot deck, or just a playing deck if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool. This is defeat the next monster you meet to gain one life. Mm -hmm. So those are the only two that you're really interested in. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's like a bunch of cool ones, like the Queen of Diamonds, your grand uh, wishes. Queen of Diamonds. Or um, yeah. Or the um, uh, the uh, club of uh, the Jack of Clubs, where you have to defeat Red Wraith. Okay, so the Queen of Diamonds is uh, it's black as moon, and its tarot card is eight the moon. Yeah. And you're gain or granted one d four wishes, one d four wishes. Yeah, that's just given to you. And the other one was what? The Queen or the King of Spades? No, the Jack of Clubs. Oh, Jack of Clubs. That is here. No, that's Jack That's a plaque of... Plaque yeah, it's a plaque of Skull. And then Eight Death is the mm -hmm. tarot card. And the summary of effect is Defeat Gred, Wraith, or be forever destroyed. Now explain that one a little bit. Uh, yeah, so basically when you draw it, it summons a Dread Wraith that you have to defeat by, they have to defeat by yourself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you, if somebody does come in to aid you, then other Dread Wraiths are summoned to fight them. Oh, wow. And, uh, if you lose, then you are just forever slain. You can't be revived even with a wish or a miracle. Your character's just dead. He's gone. Okay. Now, I know we've had this conversation last night. What is your general opinion about this deck? Just let everybody know on the, on here. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> you this is a uh, this is a campaign killer. Like this deck will uh, pretty much ruin your campaign because there's so many like strong and negative effects to it. But if you want to put something like crazy in there, I guess you can throw it in. It's a, it's a cool idea, but it's just really chaotic and can ruin a campaign. That's something for people to really know because you can put things in there that just destroy your campaign. Even yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about that last night. Even with Magic, okay. I mean, the card game—they've literally had to ban entire decks because of that. And you got to be careful with what you allow in your games. Yeah, like the throne, like the throne card, the um, King of Hearts. You actually become a king and you get your own. Land and castle. Oh, wow. That's something. Like the character, the character becomes a true leader in people's eyes. So the castle gain appears in any open area she wishes, but the decision to where to place it must be made within an hour. <laughs> so if you draw, <laughs> so if you draw like the King of Hearts for the four staffs and the tarot card, you'll become a king. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, see, that's just, and that's just from flipping a card, right? Yeah. Because the deck of many things, the whole what you should be doing 
And you can use the dice too if you want to, I guess. But I usually would just, I would just say it'd just be cool to have like a little like twenty-two card deck that players would have to actually draw from. Kind of reminds you know me. You know, man, that'd be pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of playing freaking Pokemon on Minecraft. I, I hate saying it, but <laughs> they've got these mods, uh, or even like World. I mean, if you want, too. if you want to be like extra fancy with it, you have a, a tarot deck. You can just use a tarot deck to do it, and they have to draw tarot cards. Okay. Now, what about wander wondrous items? Uh, are you interested in those? Yeah, they're really cool items that have different like uh. Um, extraordinary effects, like magical effects. Um, could you tell us a few wondrous items that you do like, like specific wondrous items? Um, I do like uh, ion stones, they're pretty cool. Uh, pretty much like uh, different little, like, psionic uh, stones that you just put up uh, above your head and it just rotates around your uh, head, giving you like a bonus stat. Um, and then it doesn't like count to your slot, so you can just pretty much have be kitted out with like a bunch of uh, magical items. You can just add that anyway, because it's just something that rotates around your head continuously. That does sound pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I think those are pretty cool. How, how do you feel about uh, magical curse? Uh, they can be pretty interesting. Um, I think uh, if you're running like campaign that has like a it can be another like piece of the story of a campaign because uh, the, the Devil War camp, yeah, you know, the Devil War campaign I was doing, um, it was gonna be like about like this uh, demon king who got who pretty much got banished to the uh, his soul pretty much got banished into this uh, blade and it was uh, kind of thrust into the material realm. And the player is going to pick that up and pretty much have that as like a cursed sword that would desire the that would desire the blood of mortals to sustain itself. Like the player can get rid of it. Like if he tries to like toss this, I would just reappear in his hand. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty bad. I mean, in uh, there's some of them that are freaking uh, bound to you like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You just can't get. Rid and he was going. <laughs> And it was going to be an intelligent blade, so it would have its own personality and everything. Yeah. They communicate telepathically with the wielder. Well, see, that, that kind of, when it, whenever I play, it's just like, like, you got armor too that, that you can do that with, you know what I mean? You can take a fragment, yeah. it just kind of like shapes around you. But I, I always got paranoid about the lizards at some points, you know, not all the time. I, I, I'm not always. I haven't been lately about all of it, but at one time I wouldn't use that kind of armor because I was very suspicious in the game about, about my own armor, you know what I mean? Somebody could, yeah. somebody could freaking curse the armor I've got on, and the next thing you know, this stuff stuck to your body, you know? So, like there's one where freaking, if you only have one piece and you go to bed, when you wake up the next day, it'll be just completely, you know, it, it'd grow, grow back, basically, so you'd have it the next day. So, yeah. that, that, that's bound to you, it's stuck to you, and if it gets cursed, it's there, you know? Yeah. But most of those 
armor. They, they've got passwords, you know, so that you can, or command words, I should say, so that you can, you know, come off. It took me a long time before I'd actually let that see again. That was a the way I saw things. Yeah, once again, it's about context. Like, does that kind of make sense in the world? Would they find into it? But, you know, that's kind of how I think about it when I, in, you know, integrate those in my campaigns. Yeah. What about intelligent items? How do you feel about Yeah, that's the, you know, like I said, it was kind of like under the umbrella of like that sword I made. Make it really interesting. Because it was going to be uh, like the soul of a former, like, demon king or devil king. We got cast out of the Nine Hells. I forget which movie it was, but it was an old movie back whenever I was a kid, and uh, the sword could actually talk. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, it was gonna be a soul of uh, it was gonna be a soul of a pit of a pit devil. Yeah, I'm sure a very powerful type of uh, devils in the Nine Hells. Well, you know, I come to the end of the questions that I have for you. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say? I mean, just off the top of your head. Uh, I mean, nothing that I can really think of. Uh, you know, I just like like D and D. It's a really fun experience if we can actually you can actually get people together to play it. You know, that's what it's I was a good way to kind of good way to kind of express mean, your uh, <clears throat> creativity. If if there's any way that you want people to freaking contact you, man, I mean, if you want to put your put your uh, information where they contact you, you know, stuff like that, because it's, it's a good idea. I mean, the way you can, if you really want to get back into it, you know, let people know that you're willing to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I know you go by Sage, uh, Sage Theory, yep. and, and if anybody wants to ever get in contact with you, they can freaking make a comment on this video which this is going to be a podcast too so after that if you're listening to the podcast and you want to uh, contact maybe get games going with sage theory just make a comment this when it's a youtube video and we've also got a discord which uh sage is also a part of so you can come in here and have conversations with them asking questions i'm sure you'd be willing to answer them with sage uh, yeah yeah, of course. And uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on here, man. A lot of the stuff you said is really good stuff. I mean, you broke down um, the stat sheet and explained to people exactly how the stat sheet works. That's something that a lot of people really need to know. And That's, gave, uh, that's good stuff. You also gave your perspective as a, as a DM to I, I loved your attitude about that. You were like, that's the way you want it. You know, it's like, this ain't my story. <laughs> but it, it was good. You, it's, that's the way the DMs act whenever they're, they're running a game. So. Yeah. If that's all we have, then I will end this. And I also want to say thank you for being here. And maybe we can have you back on here again later for another interview concerning uh, games and stuff because i know you're into games so if you're willing to do no. that yeah sounds that, good do that at another time well sounds good to me thank you very much sage
This was brought to you by Franklin County Internet Gaming Society on YouTube and Facebook. Roger Hansen on Patreon and Gaming with Infamous on Discord. Thanks for stopping by. Listen to our podcast on any of these platforms. Anchor. Breaker. Overcast. Pocket Casts. Radio Public. Spotify. Support us on Patreon. And check us out on Discord. All the links can be found in the video description below. We thank you for your participation. If you enjoyed please like, subscribe, share, make comments. We love feedback.